This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Boca, River Plate. Barca, Real. Juve, Roma. AC, Inter, Rangers, Celtic, Ajax, Feyenoord, Spurs, Arsenal, City, United, Liverpool, Everton, Newcastle, Sunderland. The Derbies. This is what football is all about. This is Derby Weekend and everything is black and white. Hello and welcome to the Derby edition of Everything is Black and White. I'm Chris Scott, joined today by Lee Ryder and Stu Rayner. All right, lads? How are you doing? Um, Neil Cameron wrote a piece this week in the paper that said this Derby on Sunday, only a couple of days away now, is the you know the biggest apathetic Derby that he can remember. Both sets of supporters are not looking forward to this Derby. Lee, I'll go to you first. How are Newcastle fans feeling about it? Well, I think, to be fair, most Newcastle fans always look forward to the Derby. Uh, in my opinion I think you know that both teams have been very bad this season there's no doubt about that this year in particular Newcastle have won a couple of games Sunderland have won one game so you know it's hardly going to be a football spectacle but that doesn't matter because you know down the years we've, we've watched two bad teams in the second division struggling at the wrong end battling to avoid the drop in the third flight football mm. so really the standard of football has got nothing to do with it in my opinion it's more about the local pride and that's what you look forward to because I know for a fact on Saturday night if Newcastle can get the three points uh, the, this this city will be celebrating you'll you'll see it you know it's a great feeling when you're coming back because you, you know you feel like you've won some kind of mission <laughs> you're coming back across from Wearside back to Newcastle you feel safe again you're, you're, you're back in your own city and you can really enjoy the win and um, that's what I hope we, you know, we're experiencing on, on Sunday night flip side of it is if Sunderland win I'm sure they'll be partying on, the, on, on their side um, and that they'll, you know, they'll want to make the most of every second of, of, of winning a derby like they have in the last four like they've got used to um, and, and, and that's the way I see it you know, so really I think now the last 24 hours it's kicked in the, you know, the international games are finished we're now looking, we're now building up to it and you know come 4 o'clock and I'm sure Stuart back, you've, you've been in many derbies the atmosphere you know you, you can't hear yourself think before oh, kick off the atmosphere will be incredible I, I mean I, th- I think fans are split into two I think you've got some as Lee say who are really looking forward to it and others who'll be absolutely dreading it but I don't think there'll be much by way of apathy uh, I mean from Newcastle's point of view the Fans will be absolutely desperate to make sure they don't lose a fifth derby in the row. 
yeah. quite rightly so and from Sunderland's point of view they're desperate just because of their league position mm. um, it's they've got, not got many matches left uh, to save themselves from relegation and uh, this is a match that they'll be looking for three points from it's, it's an interesting point that because the build up from a Newcastle perspective and we'll keep it with a Newcastle perspective because it's a Newcastle podcast is all about making sure uh, Sunderland don't equal Newcastle's uh, derby record which mm. I think it was 2002 to 2006 where Newcastle won five on the bounce um, and Sunderland aiming to do that on Sunday and it's all about that it's all about the five times like five in a row but as you said Stu from a Sunderland fan's perspective they've got a win to just stay in the league really you know they're not safe by any means are they yeah I mean there's, there's two there's two sides of it yeah there's, there's the absolute pressing pragmatic you know we've got to stay in this division and there's the other side of I've got to turn up to work on Monday and I want to be able to rub it in um, you know and I won't be able to do that unless we win five in a row that's that's the, the sort of positive and the negative side of it but from either way uh, for both sides there's real reason to, to want to win this game and how much is that here in Newcastle fans league you know, it's been four years since the last the last derby mm. win. Ryan Taylor scoring at the stadium of Leith in two two thousand eleven. Been mm-hmm. a long time. A lot. It hurts a lot. You know, there's no doubt about it. You know, Newcastle and Sunderland fans simply they don't get on. They don't like each other. We're not going to. I don't think anyone's going to pretend that, that that there's a good rapport between the two fans because, as Stu said, there you want to go to work on the Monday. You want to, you, you want the bragging rights. As I know, some people don't like that cliche, but that, that's what it's all about. And it's a little bit, it's it's different to some derbies, whereas it's it's not in the same city, mm. but you are around people who yeah. support the opposition because of the proximity to the two cities. And you know, and there is some families where, you know, there is family members who who do support the, the opposition as well. So there's there's a full range of, of different scenarios. But I think, as Stu says, you know, on that Monday morning, you want the the big smile on your face, and you know, for Sunderland, if if they lose this one, then I look at their fixtures. They've, yeah. they've got some tough ones: Arsenal away, Chelsea away, Southampton at home. This is probably one of the games they'll think they can win. That they, they have to win. That, that, that's the way they look at it. The the brutal reality for both clubs is there's not going to be much else to brag about this season. It's not like being a, I don't know, a Manchester City fan where they might lose the derby, but hey, we've won the league, we don't really care. Um, for Newcastle and, and for Sunderland, this is going to be determined how good a season they have or how, how fondly they look back on this season, I suppose. Um, because it, otherwise for Newcastle, it's, it's not disastrous. It's a lot better than Sunderland's season, but it's a pretty mediocre 12 months where there's nothing, there's nothing really to get excited about. Um, at least if you've won a derby and won it in style then you have that as you said both teams have struggled with not only form but injuries as well this season uh, Newcastle we've said this for weeks now bare bones and how does the squad look like um, after the international break Lee? well I don't think there's, there's been any major problems I think that the guys that have been away you know are going to come back un- unscathed um, don't think Tim Close played any part in the, the game against Spain yeah, Matt played the 90 minutes, <clears throat> and, a- and after that, really, um, you're just hoping that maybe Media Bede can be fit, maybe Rolando Aarons can get a place on the bench. Um, you know, it, it is looking a little bit better, but positionally, there's still no centre half to come back in, so that's that's a problem. Yeah, Matt is probably going to have to play centre half again, and obviously Mike Williamson, last man standing, will will. 
complete a patched up sort of heart of defence so for Newcastle if they can start this game the way they finished against Arsenal then they'll be they'll be fine in my opinion but I think the, the reality of it is is can they get this kind of sort of hoodoo off the back um, they've, they've slipped into that kind of mentality where they almost feel oh we're going to lose another derby if they can get that fear factor if they can snap out that fear factor and keep Defoe and Fletcher quiet yep. um, I think they've got a great chance yeah I mean when I said and done it's not like they're playing a great team they're playing a team that's yeah. struggling against relegation that's just sacked its manager it's doing so badly it's only won I think one Premier League game this calendar year yeah. um, there shouldn't be anything to fear but of course the history is uh, the recent history of this derby is what brings that fear factor mm. I mean you've obviously seen Sunderland more, much more than, than, than me this season I mean normally by the time Sunderland don't match it I think everyone's <laughs> nodded off <laughs> the last on so I mean, what, where do you see them? If you had to make a case for them winning the game, where do you think the? Well, I think if I had to make a case for them winning the game, it's that uh, in the last couple of years, they've, they've tended to play with such a negative mindset under yeah. Gus Poyet that they've produced all their best performances when they've had no choice but to attack. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why they've done well in derbies, they've mm-hmm. done well in cup games, and they did well this time last season because negativity wasn't really an option. Mm-hmm. And... Derby days a bit like that, you know, because while on the outset, uh, obviously a draw would be great for them because it still means Newcastle haven't beaten them for so long and it's another point towards safety. When you've got 40,000 Mackhams screaming in the background, you can't really be cagey. Mm-hmm. Neither can Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed the difference since Advocat came in in the way that the Sunderland team has shaped up or did he not have enough time? They were, they were very different in terms of mindset and shape against West Ham United but that game was four days after he'd come in so mm. I don't think we can read too much into it. Obviously there's been much more preparation for this game but they, they, they definitely tried to get the ball forward a lot more quickly. Uh, they played with three forwards which is was unheard of in, in Poyet's time at least in terms of those players actually playing as forwards uh, and there was generally a lot more positivity about it but it's one game you know and you can't really read too much into it one way or another mm. the, the personnel choices that both teams are going to make on Sunday I think could decide the game you know as you said Lee Yamat's going to be playing probably centre half who slots in that right back then well again they've got options on that score very very limited uh, Options. I mean, obviously Ryan Taylor can play there. Vernon Anita can play there. Mm. Gutierrez played there for, for Argentina. So they have got a few different options. I hope that whatever he decides, that callback isn't playing left back. I'd rather see him in, in the mid, the midfield. I think that he, that just the sight of him wearing a Newcastle shirt at Sunderland is going to be one of the the kind of um, little tricks Newcastle use mm. to get the crowd worked up um, and if, if he scored in like he did wearing Sunderland colours at St James Park if, if, if he scored in this game I think the atmosphere would be close to toxic Yeah, I mean, and, I, and I hope that doesn't sound like I'm going over the top because it could be pretty it was bad enough when he scored absolutely. <laughs> absolutely I mean one thing I'd say about the fullbacks is if the West Ham game is, is anything to go by um, Sunderland funnelled all their attacks down the middle so it's, it'll 
callback will be important in the middle of the park in terms of providing extra protection for that patched up central defence but equally uh, the full backs will have a real opportunity to attack because Sunderland played with no width at West Ham mm. United um, so if Ryan Taylor or Gutierrez or whoever plays at full back they'll need to get forward in the way that Yamat would if he was playing in yeah. that position yeah. um, because there is a real possibility of attacking Sunderland down those wings mm-hmm. With the limited numbers at the back then Lee um, is there an argument for changing the shape from going from a back four I know it's something that Carver hasn't done or mm. Pardew didn't really do but <clears> is there an argument there to go three at the back and, and maybe as you said exploit the width by playing wing backs I think it's a possibility but I think it's a risky game in a, in a derby um, you, you go back to the 1-0 win for Sunderland in December and you know Newcastle got caught with pace on the break when Adam Johnson scored when yeah. Sissoko really should have uh, played the technical foul and brought him down and wasted time and maybe got a draw I think it would be very risky doing it that way if it was a flat back four and Gutierrez was the choice I think he would be better in the right back position then Taylor in terms of doing what Jan Matt does in terms of going forward because he's a lot more mobile for me he's, he, he's got the natural fitness mm. he, he's a bit quicker that said I'd still have Ryan Taylor on the mm. pitch somewhere because of his threat from free kicks and he knows all about scoring a winning goal in this yeah. game and I think that's going to be another thing that Newcastle used mm. to to just make Sunderland feel a little bit uncomfortable mm. I don't think you can really change formation on the back of an international break when you've had so many players away they just haven't had the time on the training ground to, to work on it and of course the other thing is if you're going to play with three centre-backs you need three centre-backs yeah, yeah. that's very, very <laughs> true we're struggling to get two at the moment well, the- this is Acast Recommends every week we pick one of our favourite shows and this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the thing, and, and you've raised it there about going, going forward with the full-backs and Yamat's being, um, he's got the most assist in the squad this season and, you know, by moving them to centre-half to shore up the defence or to try and shore up the defence, you lose so much attacking-wise. Mm. Um, there's been a lot of calling for Adam Armstrong, who's had a great week, you know, three goals in two games for England under-18s. He got the captain's armband for them and the England captain Wayne Rooney came out and had some nice words to say about him. There's been a bit of a clamour for him to start on Sunday. Mm. Two questions here. Will he? And do you think he should? I think he might play a role from the bench. I think... John Carver's all for getting Geordies in the team and getting them involved but I think it would be risk um, would I do it? I personally wouldn't, I think he'd be better coming off the bench, we've seen in the last derby game Armstrong came on and there was a chance on the right hand side where he should have squared it and I think he went for the shot instead and that little, it's the inexperience that, that worries me um, and you know, I, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't expose him to that. You've got 
kind of Jack Colbeck already in the team as 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 a local lad. So I, I would I would stick with with that personally. I would be I would be tempted to play him because of his inexperience, or if not him, then someone like Rolando Arons because I think I think on this particular day, big game though it is, I think uh, it would be an advantage to have a, a player in that team, a couple of players in that team who haven't experienced losing to Sunderland, yeah, who aren't used to who aren't used to it exactly. As well, yeah. um, now, where, who it is. Mm. You know, might depend on the on the maker of your side. Say, it necessarily be Armstrong, could be Aaron's, could be someone like that. But I think it's it's good if you've got a couple of players in that setup who don't have those scars. You've already mentioned, uh, said, Stu, what Sunderland kind of need to do to beat Newcastle. What do Newcastle have to do to beat Sunderland? As I said, you've watched them a lot more than we have. Well, as I say, width I think is is the big thing, which is which is why I might lean more to Aaron's than to Armstrong because um, I say. Can't read too much into the West Ham game, but the, the the lesson of the West Ham game was they play very narrow and they play with quite defensive fullbacks. Now, whether they were under instructions to play defensively because they were away from home, and that will change, or whether that was that is just the instructions full stop, we'll have to find out on on Sunday. But um, Patrick van Aanholt is a very good left back at getting forward and not a very good left back defensively. So if Newcastle attack down his Right down the right Newcastle's right hand side. That's a real area that can be exploited. Um, and as I say, if they can double up with a good fullback, with it, whether that be Taylor or Gutierrez or whoever, um, supporting a right winger who plays with genuine width and doesn't doesn't cut inside all the time, then I think that's a real Sunderland weak point that Newcastle can exploit. It's interesting here when we're talking about who's going to win the game and where. We haven't really talked about the midfield battle. Is that because both? teams look weak in that area or is it just because they're going to you know, cancel each other out well it's quite intriguing really the, the potential of Katamolvi callback two yeah. guys who probably friends you know yeah. uh, but they might still be friends I don't know <laughs> um, but they, they will know each other well they know each other's game well they'll not wind each other up um, they'll know the limits what, what they can take so I think that is really for me that's going to be a very interesting battle Um Sissoko as well in there a lot of pace and power and when you're talking about maybe he's getting down that right hand side he's a guy who can do it he's yep. done it with such a plum against Arsenal mm-hmm. um, he seemed to react well times. to getting the armband as well didn't he he's he like did. really taking that leadership role yep he did uh, Newcastle have got for all the injuries for all the problems Newcastle have got the tools to win this game you know they they've. whereas I think Sunderland they're relying on Fletcher and Defoe for me because elsewhere on the pitch you know I think that, well the league table doesn't lie and the results don't lie um, and they have been worse than, than Newcastle they haven't even been able to pick up points in, in some games where really they should have I think mm. oh absolutely yeah. um, so I think if Newcastle want to win this it, it's there for them but they've obviously got to raise the game massively compared to the last four derbies where they've been pretty atrocious are there any other key battles that you'd look at Stu for Sunday to say that's where the game could be won or lost well I, I think and this this slightly muddies the water from what I was saying earlier but I think if you're looking from it from a Newcastle perspective who am I worried about as you say you look at Defoe and Fletcher but if you look at the recent derbies as well you've got to be worried about Adam Johnson now the question is if someone played such a narrow formation against West Ham they played three tight in midfield 
one behind two strikers where does Adam Johnson fit into that or will he change the formation maybe play with a bit more width to to give Johnson more opportunity um, but Johnson has shown obviously this this derby is uh, slightly different for him in terms of the um, in terms of the events that have led up to it um, but and and the reason he didn't play against West Ham or didn't start against West Ham was that he hadn't trained for a couple of weeks due to a club suspension he's now had that training in him um, but we really don't know how Dick Advocate is going to use him. Is he going to play him behind the front two? Let's say is he going to play him as an orthodox winger? I doubt it, but could he even find space for him at centre forward? And therefore, it's very difficult for Newcastle to plan how they're going to deal with him if they don't know where on the pitch he's going to be. I think it's really intriguing. You know, we're talking about on the pitch battles, but mm. one of the most intriguing battles on Sunday will be on the touchline mm. because it's the two managers going into their first uh, time, time we are time derby to be geographically correct. Um, you know how how are both managers going to react to that? Lee, what's is John Carver? You know he's been in, on the bench, but he's never, you know, been leading the team. Yeah, well, I think obviously he's going to be equipped the better of the two because obviously he knows what it's all about, and he's he'd be he'll have a mental image of what it's like already standing in that that same technical area because he's done it so many times down the years, and he's been successful down the years. He's been part of squads that have won many derbies at the at the Stadium of Light. Um, different kettle of fish for the Sunderland manager coming in first home game you know mm. first time he's you know I'm sure he will be nervous because he's he's got the experience but it's still going to be a new challenge for him you know mm. I don't know what it is with the stadium like I mean believe it or not the only team I've ever I've covered had to cover Sunderland on numerous occasions uh, in journalism and not just derbies but the only team I've ever seen Sunderland beat at the stadium like is actually Newcastle. So every time I've been, there's, there's always been pro- problems at the club, different managers. They've been in relegation fights. They've always had problems, and there's just something about the stadium like where once negative, and you might be able to back us up on this a bit. Once negativity sets in, it seems to spread around the ground mm. quicker than anywhere else. And the moans and groans come out, and I, I don't know what it is, but it just doesn't lend itself to to a lot of positivity at times I think that's been the problem at the Stadium of Light in the last couple of years recently that's obviously what something Newcastle have got to try and play on mm. you just do wonder with both clubs on derby days if that's just set to one side a little bit mm-hmm. um, because as Lee said before I mean the, the, the just the sheer noise and the passion coming from the stands it's almost a bit of a free game for, for both sides I mean for Newcastle this season has been drifting since Christmas this game won't be allowed to drift. What, whatever happens, good or bad, they will be up for this. So it's kind of a free game for them, and it's it's a it's a strange quirk of of recent Sunderland history. But Advocate will be the the third Sunderland manager running now to have had a derby in his second game, and it worked out pretty well for Decanio and Poyet because the 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 pressure's kind of off to a degree. As I said before, the backs are so far to the wall, but you really have no choice but to. To go out and play both sides, mm-hmm. and you talk about the toxic atmosphere Lee, that the stadium light you could experience on the on Sunday. The last home game that they had, Poyet's last game, that was toxic. Mm-hmm. You know, you're seeing yeah. supporters going over trying to get at the dugout. Yeah. By removing the catalyst for that in Poyet and bringing in Advocate, you know, you could see a bit more positivity about the place and whether that lends itself better to Newcastle or or uh, Sunderland I'm not really sure because that toxic atmosphere could have been directed at the Newcastle players yeah. now 
I think everyone's going into it just with question marks over everything. I think I think in fairness that toxic attitude certainly in the previous game would have been directed at the Sunderland players, not the new not the <laughs> Newcastle players. I mean that's that's genuinely how it was. And as I say, um Paolo Di Canio benefited from that being taken away after Martin O'Neill's sacking and, and Gus Poyet benefited from that being taken away by um, by Paolo Di Canio's sacking. So obviously Sunderland think that this is going to work to their advantage, that such an early game in Advocates' reign is a home match. But it doesn't disguise the fact, as Lee said before, this is not a very good team. You know, there's only so much you can do to improve things. Mm-hmm. And if Newcastle are on top of their game and Sunderland are on top of their game, Newcastle will win. Who do we think are favourites going into the match? Well, I haven't actually had time to sit down and look at the odds. Uh, Just in your own stage. head. <laughs> but but um, for me, you know, I don't want to, you know, I, unfortunately I haven't got the powers to curse something so I can actually speak freely in my mind what, <laughs> what I think might happen. But I've I've got a little feeling for 2-0 Newcastle. Um, I, I, I do think it's a big game for Sissoko. I do think it's a big game for Perez. I think they can cause problems. Uh, Perez seems to be a player who is he's oozing with it, that little bit of confidence where he's almost done more than anyone expected him to do. He's probably excelled himself in terms of what, what, what he expected to achieve. He's got four or five goals. And I think this game is really set up for for him to be a bit of a hero. You know, I hope that doesn't put too much pressure on him. Um, I'm sure it won't. Because he seems to be, you know, excelling on that big stage at the minute. I just think this is the type of game where <clears throat> heroes are made. Done a little piece um, for the supplement that we're doing. Quick plug in there <laughs> um, on you know players who, not ordinary players, but players who might not have been celebrated as much, have gone into a derby uh, as a, as an average player and come out a bit of a cult hero. Um, and I'm not saying that Perez is average, but you know he's still quite raw. He could come out. You know this could do him the world of good if he has a, a, a good derby. And I, I think he's going to be a, a key figure. Whether it's two 0 or not, I, I don't know. But I do, you know, I do feel confident Newcastle if they can pick up where they left off against Arsenal. I think do the things they're good at. They do some luck. They do a win. They do a decision. They probably do a penalty because they haven't. Had, they've had one penalty all season. The, the do something and I, and I and I do think you know this game with the pressure all almost all being on Sunderland because of their predicament I think it might be the day for Newcastle but we'll see I'm, I'm sure the Sunderland fans will be uh, quick enough to remind me if I'm wrong do you know what I haven't got a clue anything is possible I mean can it it just defies all logic that Sunderland could win dar- five derbies in a row but then it defied our logic that they could win four derbies in a row. Absolutely anything is possible on Sunday, and that's why it should be such a good game to watch. Brilliant, and we'll leave it there. Um, who knows what's going to happen on Sunday? All I know is it's going to be a fascinating game. From all of us here, I'll speak to you next week. Brought to you in association with Benfield Motor Group. Enjoy 15 wedge offers on 12 great car brands at drivebenfield.com. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. 
a baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.